welcome back to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we are two exsanguinated corpses smushed under a boulder underwater. And you're listening to Tuesdays After Twilight. What's good, buddy? It feels like it's been a month. It's been like two weeks, but it feels longer. I was thinking that earlier today that, I mean, did we, have we recorded in June? I can't remember. Yeah, once. Once. It's it's only the 13th, so it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, like on paper, but it feels like it. Wait, no, the last time we recorded was May 31st. Wow. That, I mean, that's practically 13, 14 days ago. Now I'm like, did we even record that day? (laughs) I'm so confused. It was so weird because we took that week off and then, yeah, I'm confused. Anyways, (laughs) how have you been? I've been really great. I was in Massachusetts last week for my cousin's graduation. You know, ate some lobster, as you do. Um, I've been reading a little bit. I've been snacking a little bit. You know, just honestly nothing too crazy. I started my last semester of school. I'm taking a bunch of practice board exams, and I'm crushing it, which makes me feel really great because, like, a couple semesters ago, I had a crisis, like a like an existential crisis where I was like, are you are you learning anything or are you just performing school stuff to get good grades? Like I I love to get good grades and I love to do well in school and I got a lot of validation that way growing up. So when I when I when I get good grades, I feel very validated and then At one point, I was taking an exam or a quiz or something, and I was like, I don't know any of this. But I had like a 99 in the class, and I was like, are you learning anything, or are you just performing, you know? So I had a crisis. But then when I'm taking all of these practice board exams, and I'm getting like 88s, 78s, all I have to do is get a 75 or higher. So like everyone I've passed, I'm like, you have been learning, Paige. That's good. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all because I feel like ever since you've started this track in your life, it just has felt like as someone who's known you for a long time, it's felt like you're calling almost like you just seem very naturally good at it. Thank you. God, I'm so honored. <laughs> um, you're welcome. I always feel really awkward after this type of thing. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, what's new with you? I had a thing. Oh, I have also, not really a lot, but I have been reading. The thing about me is, like, in the past few years, I was, like, a huge bookworm when I was younger, like, through high school. And then because I was an English major in college, I kind of fell out of it just because I had so much reading to do for class. Yeah, Paige is nodding that it happened to her, too. And I just never picked it up since then. Um, We're old as fuck, Paige. We've been out of college for four years. But even since then, I I feel like I just spend time that I would used to spend reading, like scrolling through social media and like losing brain cells. So I've been trying to combat that. I need to get a library card for Denver because I still haven't. But I did read a whole book that my dad bought me and I'm proud of myself. It was Where the Crawdads Sing, which is a very buzzy book right now. I know there's some problematic shit about the author, Howsoever, I will say the book was decent. My aunt recommended it while I was in Massachusetts. Yeah, it was good. It was good. The At times, the writing was a little sloppy, 
but also she's like worldwide famous and has sold millions of copies and I've done nothing so <laughs> you know it is what it is I mean if if you if you had a good time and you felt like it was you know a uh, time well spent I mean it, it, you write a book yeah definitely I definitely feel that way and also Sometimes I feel bad for stating my opinions, and then I realize that anyone who clicks into this podcast is literally signing up to hear mine and yours opinions. That is very true. Some people pay us. <laughs> like, that's how good our opinions are. <laughs> um, let's do a quick recommendations corner. Do you want to go first? I would love to. My recommendations corner, I is Sprouts a nationwide chain? I honestly do not know. Okay, well, I would say you probably likely could maybe find this at a Whole Foods, but I found this at Sprouts. I saw it on the shelves a bunch of times I went, but it was like $13, so I could never justify getting it. But then one day I was like, you know what? Treat yourself. You know you're going to like it. And guess what? This is the second bottle of it I've bought. It's called, the brand is Lakewood. It's organic, pure, tart cherry juice. And there's no sugar added, no preservatives, nothing. It is just literally the ingredients is cherries. And that's it. They And they just crush them and get the juice. It is for all of the sour girlies out there, all the sour boys, all the sour themies out there. If you like sour, this will... This will do it, my friends. Just thinking about this juice makes my mouth, like, fill with saliva because that's how sour it is, you know? It is so good. And if you like cherry, too, it's really, really good. So I would highly recommend this. Lakewood Organic Pure Tart Cherry Juice. Fresh pressed. Fresh pressed, baby. I'm not a sour girly, but I respect that. And honestly, it's kind of badass of you. Do you just drink it straight? Here, I'll, I'll I'll do a live sip of it, some asthma. Oh my god. It's good. It's good. <laughs> is there asthma for eating or is that like mukbang? I think I think mukbang falls into the category of asthma, but it's not like I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this. Like all mukbang is asthma, but not all asthma is mukbang. Gotcha. For our next patrons only event, we're going to do a mukbang. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never. I do a mukbang for myself every weekend that I'm not on call. God. Okay, real quick, my recommendation, and then we'll actually talk about our next patron event. I got to make sure I get this brand right. Okay, so I have this little tiny quote unquote swamp cooler that my sister bought me. The brand is Arctic Air Pure Chill 2.0. And you know what? It's not bad. It packs a punch. It's like the size, it's like a small box. She, I think, got it at Walmart. I've seen them at Walmart, so I know that they're available there. And you can put ice in it, and it has different colored lights. I personally keep the lights off because I'm not a nightlight girly, but it's like, it's pretty good. I have a fan on one side, like a normal box fan that I stole from Walmart. Because fuck capitalism. And then I have that on the other side of my bed. So it's like a little wind tunnel that I lay in. It's nice. One, is it transportable? Yeah, it's like you can you plug it in. Can you see it? It's like literally over my shoulder. I would say 1.5. You should bring that when we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> 
two, I'd like to know how you stole a box fan from Walmart. Baby, it's easy. I put it on the bottom of my cart and I didn't scan that shit and I walked right out. I've done that at Target with cat litter, but not on purpose. I just was chatting with the girl who was ringing me up and we just had a really good conversation. And then I walked out and I was like, that was a really cheap transaction. I thought it was going to be like 40 bucks and it was like 16 bucks. We, I completely forgot about it and I have tried to do it since then and I have not succeeded because I'm trying to do it. But that does work because I've done it before. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I balanced out my karma. Like, I don't think I could get away with it again. But what had happened was when I first moved here last summer and found out how ungodly hot my apartment is, I went to Walmart and put a box fan in the exact same place in my cart and forgot to ring it up, got all the way to my car, realized I had forgotten to ring it up, and being the goody two-shoes that I am, went back inside, rang it up. That same afternoon, it was up in my window and it fell out and broke. And I was like, you would think it would be the opposite because I did the right thing and went in and paid for it. So this summer I was like, fuck it. And they balanced it out. Do you do self-checkout? Is that how you got away with it? Do they have anything else at Walmart these days? I mean, I know they do, but in some Walmarts they don't. Like the Walmart groceries, they literally do not have checkers. And, you know, that's smart because they have those cameras, but the cameras don't, they don't get the bottom of the cart. Yeah, and also... It's a box fan, and it's Walmart. Y'all can live with that $26 that I took from you or whatever the fuck. I'm not trying to tell people how to steal from self-checkout, but at least in Fort Collins, and I know Denver does too, there's um, like a plastic bag ban, and you either have to bring your own bags or pay for paper bags. I don't know if that's that way in Denver, but that's how it is in Fort Collins. Um, but if you bring your own bags, you put the bags on the way area, and then the self-checkout is like, did you just put bags in the way area? And then you say yes. And then it's like, okay. So if there's, like, some things in the bag, it just says okay. And I've, I'm not saying that I've stolen things that way, but I know it works. <laughs> I support that. I am telling people how to steal from my major corporations. We, it's kind of like that, but they still have the plastic bags, but you have to pay for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I don't do that. I don't, I only do that at King Supers. Yeah, I loved this scale for a while at the King Supers that I go to because it was busted. I, I told you about this page. I don't think I told the story on the pod. Um, the scale was like not weighing things properly. So everything was like two pennies. Like I got a bunch of bananas for like, literally a penny <laughs> this is what god wanted this yep. god invented fruit so that we could have it literally yeah anyways tina is laying in a hilarious way in the background <clears throat> upside down with her legs in the air oh she heard me talking shit she just tried to get up she, she sneezed <laughs> oh i didn't know she sneezed that's funny Okay, back to the patrons-only event. As you may have seen slash realized, we have not had our Eclipse watch party yet. We, By the time y'all hear this, we have a new pull-up on Patreon for three different days that you can pick. We did not have our shit together enough. I blame myself, mostly. But it was also that the, an, a new episode wasn't going to be out, and so it was going to be like we would have to try to remind you all, and it's hard, so... 
We'll see you on one of those three days. Go vote for it. And as a reminder, that's patrons or donors to move to higher ground. Or we also opened it up to anyone who donated to the, fa the families in Uvalde, Texas. So let us know. Yeah. Also, I have a, I have a, a hand with this because I'm on call every other weekend. So we can't. We, we could do it on a weekend that I'm on call, but in the middle, someone might die and I might have to leave, so. It do be like that in the funeral industry from what I've learned. We're also risking it this today, too, because I'm on call today. As we speak, people. Okay, so we read the first little section that I had divided out of Brie Tanner. And once again, I have to apologize because... On our last episode, okay, there's two things I have to apologize for. On our last episode, I said, re read through page 42. So I'm sure that's what you all did if you're reading along. I told page, I told page, page 48. And that's obviously six page, pages later. So pause this podcast if you're reading along. Go read the six pages and come back. Also, little did I know, Stephanie the snake was going to spoil page and the fucking introduction to this dumbass novella is not a dumb novella, but I'm like, I didn't even know it had an introduction. And then I wasn't surprised that it did, but then I'm reading it. Da da da. Paige, go ahead and say what happened. Um, Stephanie does reveal that Bella does get turned into a vampire. She does reveal that. So I do know that. When though, probably in Breaking Dawn. Oh, I will say that, probably in Breaking Dawn. Um, but I don't know when. I mean, it could be in the beginning. I mean, it could be in the middle. Who knows? What do you mean probably Breaking Dawn? It's the only book left, dude. <laughs> I just was trying to make light of the situation. Here's what I will say. There is a huge spoiler left that you have no clue about. And it is not that. And I, I was like, this whole time we've been recording this podcast, I'm like, if she finds that out, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. But you haven't yet. So this one was kind of minor to me in comparison to that. I also, I'm pretty sure that I mentioned several episodes ago that I, like, kind of remember in advertising that there's, like, a Bella with red eyes or, like, with, with vampire eyes, like, shimmering. So, in my head, it was, like, I had a, a thought that it would happen just from that alone, just from existing in the time of Twilight's coming out and you know, the hype of it all, but I couldn't remember if I was just imagining that or if it was real. Yeah, I mean, overall, the damage was not as bad as it could have been. I'll just say that. That is valid. I mean, I'd I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's coming. <laughs> no, you do not, ma'am. And everyone that's listening to this, I hope you know what I'm talking about, and we are going to read that live. And Paige is going to shit her pants. Okay, so Brie Tanner, pages one, well, I guess the introduction through page 48. First, let's do what we always do. Let's talk about the cover, the jacket. So what do you think of this cover image? And then we'll read the quote on the back. Well, the cover image of this helped solidify because all of the covers previously have had white and red elements. And in my head, I just kind of assumed that the white sort of signified Bella or like non-vampirism or innocence in a way and the red was the vampirism and you know like the blood and all that jazz so the fact that this cover which is an hourglass with red sand ticking away this solidifies to me that the red does symbolize 
the vampires or just that sort of whole thing. I think it's appropriate. It, I mean, the readers of this book probably more than likely know that Brie dies. I mean, like, why would you read this if you hadn't already read Eclipse? So, you know, this is a pretty... I'd say this cover leads no leaves no questions for the reader. You know what she's getting at with this. So I thought it was good. Yeah, definitely. I like it too. It's very artsy, as have all the covers have been. I'm going to go ahead and read this thing on the back, this quote on the back. We actually have already read this. So it was in the section that we read for today. I watched his body change. He crouched on the roof, one hand gripping the edge. All that strange friendliness disappeared, and he was a hunter. That was something I recognized, something I was comfortable with because I understood it. I turned off my brain. It was time to hunt. I took a deep breath, drawing in the scent of the blood inside the humans below. They weren't the only humans around, but they were the closest. Who you were going to hunt was the kind of decision you had to make before you scented your prey. It was too late now to choose anything. Normally, I'd ask you, like, what do you think this means? Because it's normally like a vague Bella quote, but yeah, we already know what this means. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you what you thought of this first section, but first we got a listener email that I would love to read kind of related to this. Paige has not read it yet. Um, I don't, do you even have the email on your phone or anything like that? Um, I don't have it on my phone, but I have it on my laptop. Okay. Okay. Well, Paige has been at work all day, so she hasn't had a chance to read it. I also went to work today, but I work on my phone for a living. So here we are. Okay. This is from listener slash patron slash friend of the pod tom thanks for reaching out tom he says dear emily and page i really enjoyed this first section of Bree's short story it's really refreshing to experience some carefree vampires it's mentioned a number of times throughout the series that bella doesn't act like a teenager and neither do the rest of the Collins. so the superhero conversation was really relatable and felt like a nat- natural reaction to getting quote-unquote superpowers Obviously, those vampires are murdering people without a second thought, so maybe that's not super relatable, but it felt immersive to me. I'm really looking forward to building relationships with the characters in this story and seeing everything from their point of view. Um, He talked briefly about our Eclipse watch party, and yeah. Also, Tom, at the end, you had mentioned, you know, you wrote half of that in Instagram, and then you moved it over to email. Uh, because you thought it might be too long, and you were wondering which one we prefer. We'll read it either way, so whatever works best for you is fine with us. Tom had also mentioned on Instagram that he hasn't read the story, which we've actually heard from a few listeners. Like, they never got around to reading this, so that, um, they're going to be reading along with us for the first time, which is cool. Pretty much everyone I've told about this book did not know this book existed. Danny did not know this book existed. My coworker Ashley did not know this book existed, and both of them are Twilight fans, so you know, must not be that super well-known. Yeah, it must have flown under the radar. I don't know. Um, it's kind of interesting. But thank you for that email, Tom. It's always so nice to hear from y'all. Um, Paige, now we want to hear what you thought as also a first-time reader of this first section. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, one, first of all, first and foremost, I want to be friends with Fred. I want to know him so bad. I like I feel like Fred and I would get so get along so well and I know what you're thinking but he has super repellation super repelling powers no I do too I sweat so much we would we would actually attract each other like magnets I love freaky Fred (laughs) 
a more serious note. I think it's really, really interesting reading this book before Breaking Dawn and right after Eclipse, because the last, one of the very last things we read was Bella seeing Brie and wondering, is this what she's going to be like? You know, Bella doesn't know anything about this girl. All she sees is, you know, kind of like what's on the cover, this bloodthirsty vampire that can barely restrain herself, that's screaming, digging her claws into the dirt. So Bella's wondering, like, what is she, I, I don't even, I, does she wonder, like, what she's like? I, she just wonders if that's going to be her, basically. And then the table is flipped, and we get to see things from Bree's perspective, and she actually has a lot of similarities with Bella. Like, a lot of things about her are ringing that Bella bell, that bell, if you will. Um, but in other ways, like it, it's interesting to think like is that gonna be what Bella's like because I mean she's gonna be a vampire we know that the cat's out of the bag is this what she's gonna be like like Brie has this you know god mentality they have these superpowers now she's untouchable you know she has this bef never ha never been had before power so she's like she calls herself godlike through pretty much all of the 48 pages. So it's like, I don't, I can't see Bella being that way, but there's already so many similarities with Brie that it makes me wonder what Bella's attitudes are going to be like when she's a vampire. I have some, I have, a, I have a, it, it, it opened up some interesting questions. One, it makes me want to know what Alice's life was like before she found the Cullens because you see how bloodthirsty you are and how you know you it's this need is all you can think about this fire burning in your throat is you can't stop thinking about it so if you don't know what you are you just wake up and you're a vampire it just makes me wonder what Alice's life was like before she met Jasper and before she met the Cullens like what was she doing has Alice killed people has Alice drank blood I want to know I don't know if we'll ever know but I want to know I think it is implied that she has because of a line that Rosalie said when she was telling um Bella her backstory she said something along the lines of I won't get it exactly right but it was like I have almost the cleanest record of all, like much better than Edward, almost as clean as Carlisle, because she's never tasted human blood. So that to me implies that Alice has. However, you have to remember that the second Alice quote unquote woke up, the first thing she saw in her mind was Jasper. So she knew where her life was going. And I assume that also means she could like see visions of herself hunting. So she probably knew exactly what to do. That's valid. I. I guess I didn't think about her having the visions and being able to have that guidance mentally without, you know, knowing exactly what's going on. So I guess that's, that's valid. Still, still an interesting thought, like what her, what her life was like by herself, you know, having that, that feeling, that need to consume, be so prominent in your throat and in your brain, you know, I bet it was crazy. 
Yeah, totally. And also she knew that Jasper was like her fate or whatever, but she didn't know the like individual decisions that would lead up to it. And I think didn't she said it was years, right? So like she had to just like be patient and keep doing all these random things. You know, yeah. that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then I guess my final my final thing is I feel I mean, I we just started this book. Maybe we'll get more of it. But I feel a little, I don't know, I just, I wanted more backstory of these characters. I wanted to, I wanted more from them. And I was thinking about this last night, and I wanted to, like, pick your brain on what you thought. Because it's kind of like, the way that I interpreted things were, was that Brie can't necessarily remember a lot before she got turned, which I'm guessing wasn't that long ago, given how the timeline of Eclipse worked, um, like max a couple months, maybe. Um, but like, if you look at all of the Cullens, aside from Alice, they all like remember, at least for the, like a little bit, details of their lives before being vampires edward like a hundred years ago carlisle like 400 years ago and there are whole chapters describing it you know in the other books so i just i wanted a little bit more from diego i mean diego actually does do quite a bit of kind of like backstory on him but i wanted more from brie it just it seemed like not a lot but then I was thinking, perhaps the reason that it's not so detailed and perhaps the reason that she doesn't remember is because her backstory is traumatic. And it could just be a like a response from her own mental, from her own brain to sort of repress that and not remember it. So I was going to... I was going to see what your thoughts were on that. If you, if you were happy with the details, if you wanted more, what, and you know, just, just your thoughts. Yeah. Um, it's kind of similar to what you were saying. My theory was just always that like they had to actively try to hold on to their human memories. And if they did that, it would be easier for them to do, but if they didn't want to, then it would just kind of fade away. And so I feel like that's kind of what you were saying with like her backstory being traumatic. I don't know if it was like a conscious decision for her. I don't know that we'll ever have that answer to like block out those memories or if she just like, because she kind of wanted to turn away from that, it just kind of faded into the darkness. Um, so that's what I would say. Also, I was going to say too, that she says that she's three months old in terms of vampireism. So. Yeah. That, that, and what you say definitely makes sense that, I mean, the way that she describes her previous life, she was not happy. She was not having a good time. It was very traumatic for her. Um, so why hold on to those memories if what's happening now is better for you, I guess? I mean, it's it's kind of hard to gauge if Brie is happy with this life from what we've read. You know, comparatively from her previous life, it seems that she wanted it more so but I feel like there wasn't really a lot of positive descriptions like I'm so thankful that I'm here now I'm you know I'm living the just 
it it seemed like she moved from one bad life to another and i don't know i just i i feel bad yeah i do too and that actually is a good segue into a thing i just wanted to touch briefly on is like i don't think she i don't think stephanie sees her as someone who will ever have a happy life and that kind of connects to the way stephanie talks about um, both Bree and Diego, I mean, obviously it's through Bree's voice because she's the narrator, but also the people that they're supposed to hunt, she calls them the dregs, like the dregs of society. Obviously there's a lot of problematic shit around that. It's hard because it's sort of like the debate that happens when like a man writes from a female perspective, right? Or, or something like that, where it's like, you have to try and say what, like, you don't have to but you may try and narrate it the way that you think that they would think, but it's not necessarily your place to decide what they would think. So I struggled a little bit with that reading this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, it was, it was hard to read it. It was a lot of description of life that was just, you know, it's hard to come to like face it, you know, that people do live like this and that, you know, it, you know what this chapter, or I guess it's not really a chapter, what this section really reminded me of is in true crime, they talk about it a lot, the quote unquote, less dead. That's like, that's all of these people in this chapter is that like, it makes me wonder how many people really died, how many people really lost their lives during this time, because I feel like a lot of these deaths went completely unreported, completely not known to the police, and probably the police didn't care about them, too. Yeah, I absolutely agree on the less dead thing. If you're not familiar with that concept, it was actually a police term that they used um, back in the 19, I don't even know, probably up through the 90s, when they would refer to, for example, victims that were sex workers or sometimes um, Native American or Indigenous women would literally refer to them in their police reports as quote-unquote less dead because they didn't want to use as many police resources to try and solve their murders. Yeah, or their crimes were looked at as just, like, gross. Uh, like, pardon, pardon my, like, belittling of the atrocity of it, but, like, like a, I've been listening to... Um, a podcast about a serial killer called Bob Berdella and he is or he was gay and the police didn't want to investigate it because investigating gay homicide will make you gay like that that it's stuff like that where it's you know it's just discrimination and phobia manifesting itself in your job that you're literally supposed to protect and investigate protect protect citizens and investigate crime and you use your own bigotry to ignore it. It's disgusting. This is not the point of the book, but I just, this, reading this chapter, it just, it opened up my, my true crime brain. And that's like, it kind of made me think about that for a while. Yeah, me too. I totally agree. I have two questions for you. Um, first, I want to know what are you think? What do you think are the similarities between Brie and Bella? Because I hadn't really thought about any, so I'm curious. Well, 
she definitely has a pretty, like, she's pretty in her head a lot. Like, she, I mean, she is the narrator, and it's first person, but she seems quiet. She seems, she doesn't really want to talk to any of these people. She spends a lot of the time in her own head. She does a lot of reading. She's a huge bookworm. She loves to read. And she seems to have this sort of, like, the thing that Bella has with repelling people's superpowers, where where Freaky Frank has this special power that he repels. You said Freaky Frank? <laughs> Freaky Fred. Um, this this power that Freaky Fred has that he repels people. She, she's been drawn to him. She is totally fine with him. Like she, not that she's his friend, but she doesn't have an issue being close to him. She doesn't think that he's necessarily weird. And I mean, it might be like a, one of those relationships where she's also using him for protection in a way, but I mean, she's not repulsed by him like everyone else. And um, Diego mentions that Raul has this power that people are drawn to him, and it seems like Brie is repelled by him. She does not like him. So to me, it seemed like the two beings that were mentioned having powers, she was had the opposite reactions to them. Like both of their powers did not affect her the ways that they were supposed to. That's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that at all. I'm really curious now because. Stephanie does like a, she has, I'm going to grab it. Um, in this official guide, she has just an index of all the vampires. And then if they have special powers, there's a little asterisk by their name. So let me pull it up. Okay, I don't see it, but let me look up her little section. I know it'll be in here. It says she did not possess a quantifiable quantifiable supernatural ability. But I'm choosing to believe that she did because I really like your theory. And yeah, I just really like it. And it might not necessarily be a superpower, but she might just kind of have a good read on people, which I feel like Bella does. I think that she's, you know, she can read sort of situations and people in general and has a good good critical thinking head at times. Um, and, you know, I can see that in Bria as well. Yeah. Thanks for pointing those out. I, yeah, that's really insightful. My second question for you was, is your bookmark a piece of trash? Um, it's actually a sock. <laughs> I'm done with you. It's Liddy's sock. I found it in the living room and it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a mate. So I figured I'd make it useful. Jesus Okay, were you going to say something? I was going to ask, I and maybe I missed it, but I don't think that there's any sort of description as to what Brie looks like. In your head, what do you imagine her looking like? Well, I've seen the movie, so I oh. I, I picture the actress that plays her. Mm. Um, but I think Bella describes her briefly in Eclipse. I think I, you're right. I could be wrong, but what do you, I'm curious what you picture. So I picture her as my old roommate, Liddy, her old roommate, Olivia. I picture like exactly Olivia. She's short and just a tiny person. She has like kind of like mousy brown hair and 
um, just kind of like a gaunt face and but big eyes. And that's just and I that's kind of just how I picture her. That honestly sounds pretty spot on. Olivia is a big Twilight fan, so I think that she'll she'll be excited to hear I gave her a shout out on the pod. Olivia, have you also drank human blood? Let us know. <laughs> okay, so we'll go over the plot of what we read. Um, briefly about the introduction, other than the fat spoiler, did you have any thoughts on what Stephanie kind of said about why she wrote this? We had talked about why she wrote this before, but. Well, I just, when when she was talking about, like, wanting to kind of explore this from a different point of view, that's what made me sort of excited to get more backstory, and then I was kind of, I kind of, it wasn't given to me, so I was a little disappointed. I I know that Stephanie could have nailed it if she had, like, gone into more detail, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really expect much more, but again, it's hard to say because I read this so long ago. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, kind of referencing what you were talking about earlier, it seems to me from what Bree says in this section that we read that the only reason, maybe not the only reason, but the primary reason that what's happening in Seattle gets media attention is when newborns mess up and they don't follow Riley's rules of, of killing slash hunting the quote unquote dregs of society. So that actually like felt like a puzzle piece kind of fitting into place there. Yeah. It really makes me wonder what the real death toll was. Yeah, totally. And that's how Brie opens up her story. She sees a headline in a newspaper vending machine. Seattle under siege, death toll rises again. And right away she's mentioning Riley, so there's no beating around the bush there. We know that she knows who Riley is. She clearly has some sort of relationship with him. But interestingly, she does not, I mean, we knew this because she said it in Eclipse to Jane, but she does not know who Victoria is. She never knew her name. She just calls her her. Spooky. And she's clearly terrified by her. I mean, I would be too if they, I mean, as we'll read, they really don't know the truth, basically. Like, they have what they've been told, and it makes me think of, what is that, the, like, the parable of the cave kind of a thing, where if you grow up in a cave and all you see are the shadow puppets, that's what you're going to take as the truth. And then if you leave the cave after 15 years nothing is going to make sense because what you believed is the truth is not the truth, you know? So like when you wake up as a vampire and this guy is like, yep, this is, this is what life is like. This, these are the rules you got to follow. Of course you're going to believe that. And if there's this ominous, no named person that you are to fear, I would definitely fear that person. Yeah, for sure. Um, can't believe we just allegory of the caved me. That's hilarious. Um, while we're on the subject, let's talk about the sun thing. Because that's the primary plot point of this section that we read, is that we learn that all the vampire, all the newborns have been told by Riley that if they go into the sun, they will burst into ashes and die. And here's what I will say. On that horrible Netflix show that friend of the pod Remy and I watched that I complained about on this podcast called Midnight Sun. No, called Midnight Mass. 
LOL. Um, spoiler alert, if you still want to watch it, don't fucking watch it. It's terrible. But skip ahead like three times on the 15 second thing. I They were vampires in there. Like this church was like turning, the priest was the first one. And so they were like turning people into vampires. And that happened to them and they fucking showed it. And it was horrifying. So I would also be afraid. But anyways, towards the end of this section, to skip ahead a bit, Brie and Diego, well, mostly Diego, decide to kind of play around with that, and they discover that it's a lie. So what did you think about that, Paige? I I would be, like, my world would be completely rocked. You know, what do you think after that? Like, it makes you question everything that's ever been said to you in this life because if there was he had to have been lying for a reason what's the reason and they really like they're they're not beating around the bush when they're thinking up ideas they get kind of right to the point I think it's Brie is like something's coming because why would all of this be happening now you know and Vampires have been around forever, probably, and the ones that have been have been lying low, so why are we doing this? So I'm just like, my my hands are shaking for them. Like, like discovering that, that your whole world is a lie, my hands are shaking. Me too. And I don't remember if this ever comes up, because I think I've only read this like once or twice, but I feel like if I was her and I found that out, I would fucking hit the road. I would leave. Yeah, I I don't know what's going to come next, but I feel like in a way there's probably some sort of like, not Stockholm Syndrome, but just you still don't really know what's real and what's not real. And you have this her looming that like, she probably could find us and kill us, you know, or Riley could probably find us and kill us. So I can, I can kind of see them justifying not leaving because for all they know that would lead to their death, I guess. But I agree with you. It would make me want to, want to, you know, get out of there as fast as possible. That's such a good point. Cause yeah, they probably don't know like the limitations of what, Victoria and Riley can do. Yeah, good point. Okay, so the first section of this section, <laughs> Bree is out on a hunting party. She explains that Riley sends, like, small groups out to go hunting, and she hates the people that she's with. She thinks they're stupid. Um, Kevin is the main one, and they're arguing about, um, to reference what Tom was talking about, they're arguing about which superhero would be a better hunter slash vampire? It's stupid. I personally loved that Kevin is an idiot in this book. I Not that I have any, any bad will to people named Kevin, but I just really enjoyed that. Do you want me to leave that in? Let's do it. I mean, why not? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Literally. Okay. Um, so then, trying to, like, prove a point... Kevin jumps into the road and he grabs an oncoming car and flips it over. What a terrible way to die. Like, imagine seeing that. Again, it's like your whole world is 
a lie. Like, everything that you've known to be true is not true. Yeah, totally. And I should point out here, this is a good point to say, that I feel like we, you and I, both kind of have to get used to this because it's very clear that to all of them, humans are like, they're not, I mean, this can sound weird, but they're not people. They don't consider them, like, they just consider them prey. They don't think about them in any other way. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that it was written that way because it really does show the other point of view. And it also kind of foils with the Cullens that Carlisle is a doctor and he wants to fight against this will to just not consider people people and, you know, try and make a a good impact in society. And it shows like that they really are trying to be good people and not, not act this way, you know? So I think I appreciate that this point of view was written. It is hard to read, but I see, I appreciate that it was done. Yeah. I was going to say that too, because eventually where this goes is both, Bree and another character that we can introduce to, Diego, take off because, um, you know, Kevin has killed this person. They don't want to pick a fight with him by, like, trying to go for his kill. So they run off and Bree follows Diego and then they kind of get to talking. What I was going to say is that when they end up hunting the three victims that they hunt, it's, like, actually so disgusting to read. (laughs) Bottom of page 10. The blood was warm and sweet. It quenched the fire in my throat, calmed the nagging, itching emptiness in my stomach. I sucked and gulped, only vaguely aware of anything else. I'm going to throw up. Anyways, um, so right away, Diego and Bree don't have, like, I don't want to call it chemistry, but she kind of notices that he's not like all the other dummies that have been hanging around. Like, he seems to, like, have a lot of sense to him and kind of like behaves weirdly. Like it actually kind of makes her uncomfortable a couple of times that he like gets so close to her and is not afraid of her, like coming after him or anything. And she says that there is a rumor going around that he's Riley's right hand man, but that seems to be untrue by the end of the section. I actually don't remember if it's ever misproven, but. Yeah. I imagine that all of these dweebs that are here, I'm if there's one nerd in the the entire group of dweebs, everyone is going to think the nerd is in cahoots with the boss because he's actually like trying to do things the right way, you know? So I'm not surprised that people would think this because they're all idiots. We do not use the insult dweeb enough. Or squares. <laughs> True. Okay. So, as I said, together, Diego and Bree find a group of three that, quote-unquote, follows the rules um, because there's two sex workers and a, quote-unquote, pimp. So, I've already described what it was like when they killed them. Um, and Diego lets Bree have two, which I always thought was interesting because she's clearly smaller than him. I don't know if there's, like, like portion size is a thing. <laughs> But you would think so, right? You would think so, but I feel like a, f- a newer vampire maybe needs more. Yeah, that's definitely implied. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so when they finish feeding, they have to, well, they don't have to because Kevin and his friends don't, but they go to dispose of the bodies so that they're not found. And thus our intro, they bury them under a rock, underwater. I, it, it was really hard for me to not, okay, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint you a picture, all right? You are a scuba diver. And you are just scuba diving in what is it called the 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 they they call it something the sound it's like Puget Sound yes so you are scuba diving in the sound I don't know if that's a thing at the sound but just imagine and while you're while you're out and about scuba diving you see this big rock and you're like ooh let's go look at the big rock and you go down and there's like one skeletal hand sticking out from under the rock. So you phone up the police and you're like, hey, I think that there's there's someone under this rock. So the, there, I see this hand. So the police show up and they're like, we gotta move this rock. So we get a bunch of equipment to move the rock. And then like 200 corpses come up. How, I, underneath that boulder is haunted. That, it is cursed. <laughs> So true. And you know the cops would be flabbergasted because they'd be like, how did they get this boulder to go on top without all, the, all this equipment? The woman was too stunned to speak. <laughs> yeah. May they rest in peace. They deserved better. Um, there's a little tiny thing on page 13 that I just wanted to point out. It's towards the top. And this is when they're carrying the bodies to the sound. I followed him up the alley wall, and then we swung across the, <clears throat> across the girders under the freeway. The lights from the cars below didn't touch us. I thought how stupid people were, how oblivious, and I was glad I wasn't one of the clueless. I was surprised by her use of the word glad, because it doesn't, like you were saying earlier, it doesn't really seem like she's particularly overjoyed with this life. I mean, I guess she's just saying she's glad she's not human anymore. I don't know. I just thought that that word was an intriguing choice. Yeah, I think it I think that Brie enjoys finally for once having power, having something over other people because it seems like her life before this she had no power and no ability to have any agency over herself. So finally having the opportunity to to be better than others or be stronger or just at a higher place I guess she is glad about that because it's just not an opportunity she's had before yeah I think you summed up what we've read so far really well with that the podcast is over no, I'm just kidding we don't have that much left though honestly even though we're only on page 13 um okay so they go hunting again they hunt two homeless men and then um, Diego offers to go hunting with Bree from now on, which she, like, thinks is kind of weird, but she admits that she doesn't feel like she has to watch her back when she's with him. So, like I said, not chemistry. I mean, maybe it's chemistry. I don't know, but. I mean, the, the chapter, the book starts with not chemistry. It's very apparent that Bree does not get along with Kevin and the unnamed blonde kid. So to ha to start with that 
and then kind of transpose it against Diego, it is very clear that Diego is different. And, you know, I liked him immediately. And I think it's because everyone else aside from Brie that's been introduced has been an idiot, you know? So it does really seem like they have chemistry because the only other people we've heard about, clearly they don't. Right. Or there's Riley who's like intimidating and also a liar. Yeah, and I know, and I can picture what Riley looks like in my head, and I don't like it. Once again, I'm going to say it again. He was smoking hot in the movie, and I stand by that. You will see. You will see. Okay, I believe you. Okay, so after they finish hunting, they go clean up Kevin's mess so that, you know, the media won't catch on to it and report how fucking insane it is. I will say, I don't, I, I, now, I don't know a lot about, like, the actual work of forensic people, um, like, what they do, but I have watched enough forensic files to know that forensic crash examination is a thing and like car examination is a thing and I don't know if the receipts add up I don't know if they add up in this like I'm imagining the police showing up to investigate this and being like these cars exploded how how did how did this happen there's no there's no um what what's it called when the when you slam on the brakes and there's the black lines Brake marks? Skid marks? Is that it? No, that's it. That's something different. Um, there's there's none of those around. What's going on here? I don't know. I just, I feel like it, they did too much. And I would be suspicious. I agree. I felt the same way when I was reading it. But to argue the other side, if everything's burnt, they they could probably tell less of what happened. I suppose so. But with how they described the explosion, I feel like 911 would be called immediately. So there's a chance that some evidence could be recovered. Yes, agreed. I'm 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 delving f- far too deep into this. It does not matter. I just I was like, once again, I wonder if Stephanie knows how cars work. Yeah, no, I had the same feeling when I was reading. The only other thing I will say is that it was 2006. So I don't know, like, how much police technology has advanced since then, but... Forensic Files was in, like, the 90s or the 80s, and they were solving all kinds of car crime. Facts. You got me there. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So after they clean up, quote-unquote, clean up that mess, um, Diego and Brie go, quote-unquote, shopping, which really they break into, like, what I picture as a Barnes & Noble. (laughs) Like, that's what I'm assuming, because it says big chain bookstores, which is hilarious. And then um, they start talking, and then Diego's like, I've literally never noticed you. How is that possible? And Bree's like, I just hide behind Freaky Fred all the time. <laughs> because he, apparently we find out later that Riley thinks that Fred has, like, a talent. I'll just read this part. This is on page 20. So Diego had heard um, Riley talking on the phone to her, Victoria, and he says, 
Anyway, Riley was talking about Fred, all excited. From what they were saying, I guess that some vampires can do things. More than what normal vampires can do, I mean. And that's good. Something she's looking for. Vampires with skills. I'm not, or he continues. I guess Fred can sort of repel people on purpose. It's all in our heads, though. He makes us repulsed at the thought of being near him. Brief rounds. How is that a good thing? Keeps him alive, doesn't it? Guess it keeps you alive, too. So that's interesting that she, I mean, is smart on her part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For all the Powerpuff Girls uh, stands out there, Freaky Fred reminds me of Big Billy. Tell me if that, if you agree. Tell us. I won't know what you're talking about, but tell us. <laughs> He's in the gang green gang, just so you know. That doesn't mean anything to me. I do wonder, though, how Freaky Fred feels about Brie. Because if he's, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, if he's actively trying to repel these people, or even if he's doing it not on purpose, he probably notices that this girl, it's not working on her. You know? Maybe. So this is what I'm picturing. Freaky Fred is sitting in the corner or whatever. I don't know eating chips and Bree is reading behind him I'm sure in his head he's like this girl has been reading every single day for the past three months I'm not worried that's so true and she's small so I feel like you know he's probably not afraid of her yeah okay so Bree this is when Bree and Diego start kind of wondering about, like, what's actually going on here? You know, Paige actually actually already covered it pretty well for us. Like, why were we created in general? Like, it's not like he likes us. Like, what do they want us for? And then I'm on page 23. Diego says, like I said, something is coming. I think she wants protection, and she put Riley in charge of creating the front line. Bree says, why wouldn't they tell us? Shouldn't we be, like, on the lookout or something? That would make sense, he agreed. So they continue to question Riley and his motives a little bit later on. Um, To sum up, they swim back to the house that Riley has bought. Well, (laughs) I said bought as if he bought it. LMAO. He killed the owners. (laughs) Bree doesn't explicitly say it, but... Readers can use context clues. Yeah, recently deceased. I mean, come on. So when they get there, you know, they're rushing by the time they get there because the sun is rising and they've been told that they'll burst into flames if they get touched by the sun. They get there and the house has collapsed. And Bree's like freaking the fuck out, as you should, if that's what you believe. And Diego's like, okay, well, I I know a place. Guys tell you they know a place, and it's just the worst place you've ever been in your life. An underwater cave the size of a Volkswagen. Romantic. (laughs) Mm, There's nothing like bumping my head on moist lag mites and having water drip on you. I love it. It makes me think romance. (laughs) Perfect hookup spot. Uh, Paige said it. That's where they go. Diego had found this place beforehand and kept it in mind in case this ever happened to him. So while they're in, though, while they are in there, he's kind of clowning around. 
I mean, first, they t kind of talk about their backstories. So really, Brie, all she really says about hers is that her dad beat her up. Um, she was 15 when she was a human, and her dad beat her up, so she was, like, trying to get away, but she was starving to death, essentially. Um, she had no way of getting food, and her mom had left because of her dad's behavior. Um, for Diego, he kind of had this gang involved in his neighborhood and his life, and he was careful to avoid them, but... Um, his kid brother got involved with him. It's not really clear what happened, but like, I don't know if the kid brother got killed by them or like just got wrapped up in what they were doing and got killed as like collateral. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I mean, I kind of just figured it was a child getting wrapped up into something that a child should not get wrapped up into and just. I, I could see it being an accident. I could see it being on purpose. It just, to me, the way that he was described, it seems like he was really young. And to have a really young person involved with a gang probably is going to lead to something bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Diego explains that he was extremely upset and basically just lost his mind over this. So he went to go hunt down the gang. Um, and he killed the guy that killed his brother. Again, he doesn't say how, but um, then he got cornered by the rest of the gang. And that's when Riley stepped in and quote unquote saved him. So that's kind of like what we got on their backstories. I will say sort of in in relation to the backstory so all of this this backstory storytelling um happens and then you flip the page from page 31 to 32 and the top paragraph so the first thing you're reading you're reading about diego's backstory this is the very first paragraph on the next page i still didn't see how riley came into this riley and the cheeseburger of pain I wanted that part of the story, but now I felt bad for pushing him to answer. This gets explained later, but I'm like, when I read this the first time, I had to read it like seven times. And I was like, I do not get this. Is this a literary device? I do not know what this means. The cheeseburger of pain? Is this a phrase I've n never heard of before? I don't know. It does get explained later. But for like two minutes, I thought I was having a stroke. I, we were both trying to talk at the same time, and we were both trying to say the same thing. I was going to say, I want to name a band, Riley and the Cheeseburger of Pain, and I want Riley to be the lead singer. I want to be the Cheeseburger of Pain. <laughs> we can both be part of it. I'll be the lettuce. <laughs> I'd like to be, I'd like to be the pickle with the smiley face um, made out of ketchup, and then the cheese, or the cheese pulled up like covers over me. That's literally all I wanted as a kid, like, to be that pickle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looked really nice. And, and then they got a little lullaby. <laughs> and a kiss, I think. <laughs> um, I kind of skipped over it, but I did want to point out briefly, like, how insane it is that they just lose limbs and then grow them back. 
like there's no description of the technicalities of that but like it's insane to me to think about it was very casually dropped into the story and like we know it's it it's talked about in eclipse but still in eclipse it doesn't really describe how it works and in this book it doesn't really describe how it works it's just like yep it's a thing yep i feel like stephanie was like don't worry about it don't worry about it (laughs) even i don't know Back to the cheeseburger of pain. Um, Brie was referencing the fact that Riley's quote-unquote pick-up pick line for her, like the line that got her into this vampire army, was one up burger kid because she was starving to death. Um, and so that's why she kind of followed him and went with him. So, they're, this whole time they're still discussing Riley, like why like he's getting... They have a really astute observation that they kind of come to together on page 34. Um, Bree says, so Riley doesn't need brains, I reasoned. He needs numbers. Diego pursed his lips considering, like chess. He's not making knights and bishops. We're just pawns, I realized, which is really dark. The whole thing, the whole time they're doing this, Diego is kind of like dicking around, like basically like, destroying his own little hidey hole that he's made. He's like punching out the rocks and stuff and Bree's getting terrified. And he tells her that she stood, he's okay. Diego tells her that he stood under a shady tree in the daylight and nothing happened to him. So he is like wanting to push the limits on this and see what's really true. You know, they also do this hilarious experiment with a steak, which I'm like, you really thought that was going to do it. how he got to the shady tree like didn't you have to go into the sun to get to the shady tree did you were you there in the nighttime and then it turned to the daytime and then you just waited until it was nighttime again maybe like the sun was rising he had nowhere to go so he just stood under a shady tree maybe and hope for the best (laughs) i mean he didn't blow up so yeah um I just feel like it says a lot about about Bree's character that when he, like, basically a a ray of sunlight breaks through the cave and he's about to, like, be touched by it and she dives forward and exposes herself instead of him. Like, that's really interesting because up to this point, she's really made it very clear that, like, survival instincts rule her and that's, like, all she cares about. Yeah, I think just this one person showing a showing having an intelligent conversation with her and I guess you could say being vulnerable with her and sharing his backstory and in a way showing compassion just having sort of a interaction warmed her her cold heart a little bit. Yeah, and he does say that he wants to be friends, which I feel like, I mean, she's only 15. You know what I mean? Like, And, I mean, this might just be me, but the way that Diego is described, he sounds cute. So, I mean, he, I would, I would risk, I would risk the biscuit for him. I would risk it all. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so when she leaps across, she's convinced that her leg has been, like, burned off. And so she's like, tell me what's left of my leg. This is a really dark story, but it made me think of it. So I'm going to tell it. In college, I played soccer. And my senior year, 
Um, so if you don't know, there's a position in soccer called forwards. It's the ones who are highest up in the field and they try to score. There's three. It depends on the formation that you're in. The way that we played, we had two. So it was like me and my partner, right? Like I would always have a partner. It wouldn't always be the same person, but one day I was out there with a girl. I won't say her name just in case she doesn't want to be on this podcast, but my forward partner and she fell wrong. It wasn't even a foul, but she just fell wrong. And she basically broke her patella in half and immediately her legs swelled up. Like it was terrifying. There was like, it looked like there was a golf ball like swimming in her knee and she was laying there on the field crying and she didn't want to look at it. And so I was the only one around and I'm the worst person to have around with this kind of thing. And she was like, how bad is it? Is it really bad? And I was like, no, it looks normal. (laughs) In that tone of voice. Exactly. I'm sure that was reassuring for her. (laughs) What was I supposed to do? Be like, no, you look like a fucking alien. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, you know, maybe saying that would have made the situation worse. (laughs) There was really no good response. Oh, honey, you're going to need some ice. <laughs> I mean, she might have laughed at that. I just, like I said, I'm the worst person that you could have had with you at that moment. Anyways. So Bree's like, "What? how bad is my leg? What's going on? And he's like, your leg's fine. And she looks at him and she's like, oh, yeah. And she wiggles her toes. I think it's so funny that she wiggles her toes. Like, she could have just done that before. But she was, like, too scared to try, you know? Can you move your middle three toes? I can, like, curl them. Can you move, like, one of them, though? No. no. I can't either. That must be an evolutionary thing. Do some research and get back to us on that. Okay. You're like, no, I'm in actual school. I mean, the only toe that really matters is our hallux, which is the big toe. What about your pinky toe? I mean, that might be important, too. But the the hallux is the one that all all the papers are written about. Okay, fair enough. So when they realize that Brie was not burned up by the sun, Diego sticks his arm into the ray ray of sun. And they discover what we discovered horribly in Twilight with that horrible sound effect in the movie. (laughs) So yeah, they're sparkling. And it's interesting to hear it described from their eyes, because I feel like the only other time we would have heard that is through Edward's eyes, who thinks he's like a hideous monster. So it was like dumb and boring or from Bella's eyes and she's like it's it's prettier than the prettiest diamond in all the lands he's a he's a cherub upon the world's most beautiful cake you know like it would have been something like that totally but I just meant I agree but I just meant like describe from vampire's eyes because the way they, they describe it I feel like Bella doesn't actually know what it looks like because she has like weaker eyes than them mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm just going to read like a little bit of it just to set the scene. Page 47. The second his fingers entered the beam, the cave was filled with a million brilliant rainbow reflections. It was bright as noon in a glass room, light everywhere. I flinched and then shuddered. There was sunlight all over me. Unreal, Diego whispered. He put the rest of his hand into the beam and the cave somehow got even brighter. He rolled his hand over to look at the back and then 
then turned it palm up again. The reflections danced like he was spinning a prism. So, of course, now they're like, does Riley know about this? And if he does, why is he keeping it from us? If he doesn't, why is she keeping it from him? They don't say that, but I, th- I feel like that's on their mind. Yeah. So that is right where we ended. Kind of a weird place to end, but I did what I could. Um, so, yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the next section? Let me say before you make your prediction so that I get it right this time. So you're going to read through page 92. On the bottom of page 92, there is a a new sentence that starts. Just don't read that. Just stop where the last sentence ends. Okay. 92. So I think that there's going to maybe be a little more investigation, a little, maybe a little more experimentation as to if there are any other lies that Riley's been telling, maybe trying to do some, maybe espionage within the, the newborn group. Perhaps we'll meet some new characters, some other newborns. I bet, you know, I think Kevin might be punished for being so stupid. I, he might get his arms ripped off. We'll see. Um, I feel like Diego was set up already as being perhaps Riley's second hand. So maybe Diego is going to try and weasel some information out of Riley, but like on the sly, you know, like I don't think either of them want to give away the fact that they know this knowledge. So I think it's going to be a little sneaky sneak. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to make some predictions too, because I don't (laughs) honestly remember. I hope that we meet Fred. That'd be great. Because I don't just want to hear about him anymore. I want to meet him. Um, And then another thing I had was a question for you. Do you think that Bree and Diego would ever confront Riley? Or maybe just Diego? Diego might, I don't know if Brie would. Brie kind of, she does have a a self-preservation about her that I think it's mentioned a couple times that that's kind of like the whole thing is having self-preservation. So I don't know if she would, but I could see maybe Diego might. Okay. Yeah, I wonder how that will go. I, again, don't remember what happens, so. Cool. So we're going to be covering this little novella in four episodes. So the next one will be our second, and then we'll have two more after that. Um, If you are a donor or a patron or both, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight to vote in the poll. Paige, I'm going to let you do the rest of the socials because you make it more interesting than I do. Okay. Um, If you want to send us some... I don't know, some fun memes. I mean, once we watch Eclipse, please send some Eclipse memes my way. I would love to see them. You can send those at our Twitter, which is TaftPod, or on our Instagram, which is Tuesdays Are For Twilight. You can also send memes, also GIFs, and some text posts on Tumblr, which is also Tuesdays Are For Twilight. If you'd like to be our new Tom and send us a fun email, not, not our new Tom, if you'd like to be another Tom, a different Tom, but follow Tom's lead. You can email us at TuesdaysareforTwilight at gmail.com. 
if you'd like to jump onto this Patreon thing, you, you've been given another opportunity to join in. You've been given this chance to join us, to watch me, Eclipse, for the conscious first time, Emily, for who knows how many times. Um, you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. Or if you want to donate to possibly a better cause than just us, you can look into the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. You can find out more information and donate to their cause at www.mthg.org. And you can also donate, and I don't know the links to this, so if you could, if you could fill that in, but you can also donate to the families of the Uvalde shooting in Texas, and you will also be included in that because obviously that's a cause that we want to help support as well. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Paige. Um, Mila is making her voice heard at the at the final moment. Um, the links for Uvalde, so they're in our link tree, which is in our bio on Instagram and our bio on Twitter. And then on Tumblr, it's just linked in a post that you won't have to, I mean, we don't post very often on there, so just scroll down and you'll see it. Tina is playing with a, a ball toy in the background. I don't know if anyone can hear it, but if you can, that's what that is. These cats have had enough we got to sign off. But thank you so much for join us, joining us, y'all, and coming on this journey with us. It's fun. Paige, what do you got for him? Be, be a tree. But you can choose what tree you want to be. If you want to be stoic, if you want to stand strong and you don't want to waver, be an oak tree. If you want to be a little more whimsical, if you want to just, like, flow in the wind and let the world just take you where it takes you be a palm tree if you want to be sticky be a pine tree get that sap baby just do what do what feels right all right we'll see y'all next week for the second section of Brie Tanner bye bye our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.